Greetings to all of you this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus, it's uh, it's good to be here with you and uh, worship with you this morning. And trust we can lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ today, that uh, he would be exalted. We know the, the scripture says, if we, he says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And uh, we know that he was lifted up. He was uh, lifted up on the cross. And uh, truly, he was uh, buried, rose again, and brought new life to his people. And uh, But also, as we lift up the Lord Jesus, there's also a promise that he will draw all men to himself. And that is the heart of God today that we, we lift up His name and we, uh, truly be able to use it as a vessel to, uh, for men to be drawn to Himself. We <clears throat> want to think about those, uh, the name of the Lord Jesus this morning. And, uh, you know, the Bible says in Philippians, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And, and we know that today we have, uh, we have opportunities to bow our knees to the Lord Jesus now. For those that don't bow their knee now, He will sometime. You know, everyone will certainly sometime. Uh, doesn't matter what color they are, where they live, but we all know that, that the day will come when every knee is going to bow to the Lord Jesus. And today we have the wonderful opportunity to not only bow our knees to the Lord, but we have the opportunities to point others to Him, you know, that they would have an opportunity today to bow their knees to Him. <clears throat> well, there are, the scripture is full of names of, uh, of Jesus. And, uh, I'd like to go through a few of them this morning and, uh, trust that it will make your faith rise. As you consider our Savior. And, uh, you know, almost every one of these names probably we could make a message out of. So, uh, I'm not going to stay at each one of them very long because I have about 50 of them to cover. And, uh, so, so this morning, uh, I'll try to, I'll try to move quickly and, uh, and look at some of these. And I know that there are some of these that as I get to them, I'll have to stay longer than others just because of their nature and what they mean to us. Uh, truly trust that today as we look at the names of the Lord Jesus, that it would bless your soul and encourage you on in the faith, which is really what we're here for, is uh, to encourage one another on in the faith of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> so we'll look at some of these names, some of these words here, these phrases, some of them are, and and uh, I trust that he is all of these things to you and that it would be a blessing uh, to you. I, in Matthew chapter 16, we're going to begin there. Jesus was speaking to his disciples and he asked them the question, Whom do men say that I, that I the Son of Man, am? That's in uh, Matthew 16. That's in verse 13. He's asking them and they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, 
others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but whom say ye that I am? You know, he's getting personal here. You know, he's first he asks, you know, who do who do men say? You know, maybe men everywhere. Who, who do they say that I am? And well, we think you're this person or John the Baptist or Elijah. And, and then he then he narrows it down a little bit. And he said, now, who do you say that I am? You know, and that's really where it comes down to us today. You know, he's. This morning, he's not asking the rest of this county, you know, who they are, who, who, who he is. He's asking each one of us individually as a person, who do you say that I am? It's not about all the rest of them out there, although it is individually. The same question is for them. But who do you say that I am? And Jesus answer, or Peter answered that, and he says, thou art the Christ. The son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him. Blessed art thou Simon. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. But my father which is in heaven. You know which. Uh, again goes to, to. To reveal or say how. Or show how that. That these things you know the Bible says. These things are spiritually discerned. God comes and shows these things. Through his spirit to us. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So who do we say he is this morning? Who is he to you? First John, John uh, <clears throat> calls him, says in, in John chapter 2, he calls him our advocate. Is he your advocate this morning? Is he the person that stands between you and someone else? You and God this morning. Is he the one that pleads your case this morning? That's what he is. He is an advocate. That's a word we don't use very often today. But an advocate is someone that comes to bat for us and speaks to us and and, uh, speaks for us and does something for us. In John here, he was the perpetuation. He was the price for us. He's the one that paid for us. But he truly stepped in. If you're a child of God, to you he should be your advocate. The one that comes to... And uh, does uh, pleads your case. He is your advocate. You know, and the Bible says that he is ever sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. Your advocate. So as you think about him this morning, that he is your advocate. <clears throat> Number two, he's the Lamb of God. And, it's, and this one is found in John. After after the John... Uh, uh, there in the account there with John the Baptist and Jesus. And he said to him, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. You know, here he's called the Lamb of God. And again, I want you to think about these things in a personal way. Is he your Lamb of God? As he says, he takes away the sins of the world, which includes yours. So you can be here this morning and realizing that he is my Lamb of God, that took away my sins. You know, there in Matthew chapter 1, uh, <clears throat> Jesus, or the angel, came to Joseph and he began to speak to them about Mary and how that she's going to have a child and, and uh, how that this child is conceived of the Holy Ghost. And he said, you're to call his name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. He'll take them, these people, and take them away out of their sin. He'll save them from those things. He's our Lamb of God. Is He yours this morning? 
has He taken you away from your sins? I trust He has. The third one is, I am the resurrection and the life. We know there are a lot of religions out there that are full of, that are really full of death. There's no life at all. You know, there's a lot of performance and there's a lot of things that they go through to try to make themselves a better person. But there was no resurrection, neither is there any life. Without a resurrection, without a spiritual resurrection, there can be no life. Without us realizing that we were dead in trespasses and sins and have came to a resurrected life in Christ Jesus, we have no life. So is He your resurrection and life this morning? I trust He is. He that believeth in Me, though He were dead, yet shall He live. We can live this morning and have eternal life. Number four. He's the shepherd and the bishop of our souls. You were as sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and the bishop of our souls. You know, a shepherd is one that that carefully watches over the sheep. He watches so that the coyotes don't come. You know, and he watches to make sure they have water to drink. He watches to make sure they have grass to go eat on. You know, the shepherd is one that gently takes care of of uh, of his animals, of the people, of the uh, sheep of his pasture. That's the Lord Jesus for us. He is the shepherd. He's the the shepherd of our souls. He cares for us. <clears throat> In uh I've been going through the book of first John at home and and uh one of the things that uh, one of the things that he says there in first John and uh, he, he writes a few things there about why he wrote this book. He said, these things write I unto you. Numerous times he wrote that in the book of First John. These things write I unto you. One of them was, one of the things that he wrote, the reason he wrote these things to us is that our joy would be full. He wants us, you know, isn't that a good thing for a shepherd to do for us? He wants our joy to be full. We're talking about, you know, the resurrection and the life and how many people are out there that, claim to be even Christians, claim to be religious, claim to have something, and there's no life in their face. There's no joy in their, in their life at all. But he came that he would bring that our joy would be full. That's what a shepherd does. Another thing he does that he says there in the book of 1 John, he said, I write these things unto you that you sin not. That's our shepherd. You know, he wrote these things to us. He brought these things to us so that we sin not. He takes care of His sheep. It's made available to us. You know, and what a joy that that is, that He's brought something to us that we can get our hands on. It's meat and life and truth. And He he brings this to us in a very real way so that we don't sin. So that we don't fall into these things. <clears throat> anyway, that was my message from last Sunday, so I better not uh, get off my subject here. The next one. Number five, I think I'm at. It says he's the judge, the judge of the quick and the dead. <clears throat> Whosoever believeth on him shall find remission of sins. You know, he is the one that ultimately at the end we're going to stand before him. And he judges us. And, you know, and uh, the, the scriptures without turning there, it says that some men's sins go before him to judgment. For some of you, if you're born again this morning, your sins have been judged. You have went ahead to judgment already. God has, 
God is, uh, your sins went ahead of you. And God said, paid in full. And some men's follow thereafter. What a sad picture. You know, to get to the judgment and all of a sudden realizing that all those sins that could have been forgiven, those sins that could have been taken care of. And you know, you'll remember all the times that someone warned you. And someone told you that this, that it could have been taken care of. And all of a sudden, all those things come afterwards when it's too late. But God is the judge even today, even now while we're, while there's life and hope and while we can kneel and, you know, bow our knees to the God of heaven. He's the judge of the quick and the dead and whosoever believeth on him shall find remission or forgiveness. He's the Lord of Lords. Number six. I should be giving you the scriptures if you happen to be writing them down. I'm sorry about that. First Timothy 6.15. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. That one comes later, I think. Number seven is found is Isaiah 53. He's a man of sorrows. He was despised and rejected of men. You know, it's, it says there that there was, there was no beauty. He was, he was rejected. He was despised. He was spit upon. You know, he was, he was, uh, he was mocked. He was scorned and, and all those things. A man of sorrows. And he bore, they know those were our sorrows. That he bore. Those were for us. But he calls him a man of sorrows. It's that same chapter. God said, it says that it pleased God to bruise him. It pleased God to, to bring him to this place for, for us. Number eight is Ephesians 5.23. He's the head of the church. It calls him. You know, there's many times when men have tried to be the head of a church. Men have tried to take control. Men have tried to make it be a, a you know, this is, this is, this is, uh, we call the shots here. And the Lord Himself wasn't the head of the church. But God said He's the head of the church. You know, let's keep Him there. Let's keep Him where He belongs. He's the head of the church. Number nine is Matthew eight nineteen. He says, Master. Here there was, here He was called Master and the response he had asked him to follow him. And he says, Master, I'll follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Who do you say that I am? Is he your master? Have you said, I'll go wherever you want me to go? You know, I'll say what you want me to say. It sounded to me as I was just listening here this morning, listening to thinking about, you know, maybe the, the possibilities of going on a street or I'm gathering maybe in a, in a hospital somewhere or in a, I'm not sure what it is. Uh, maybe it's a psych ward or something. I'm not sure. But, you know, those aren't all easy places to go to. You know, we, we go sometimes, some of our young people go to a place out in Madison. We call it State Street. It's just a place where, very busy place where all, it's, it's full of some of the wickedness, uh, some of the most wicked things you can imagine you find there. And... You know, there's a lot of difficult people to talk to. Don't always know what to say. Who do we say that he is? Is he master? I'll go, I'll follow you wherever you say. I'll do what you tell me to do. Is he master to you? Revelations 3.14 says he is the faithful and true witness. 
the faithful and true witness. Have you ever found anyone else that is more faithful? Never. He is the faithful one. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4, he is the rock. We actually find this in numerous passages as well. But he is the rock. That scripture says they all drank of that spiritual rock. The rock was Christ. There is no other rock but Christ. You know, men try to build and lay many foundations. But there's only one rock. And that's Jesus Christ. You know, there's only the others will all move. This rock, the rock of Christ, doesn't move. It doesn't go anywhere. You can't move it. Dynamite doesn't move it. Bulldozers can't move it. It's the rock, and He's the rock we can lean on. He's the one we can build on. He is that rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, that never moves. The next one, number 12. He's our high priest. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we might find help in time of need. He's our great high priest. We don't have to just go once a year. We can go many times a day. We can live our lives at the, at the foot of our high priest as we work, as we wash dishes, as we do all of these other things. He is our high priest. We don't have to be scared of him. We don't have to tie a rope around our leg to go in lest we fall over dead and somebody has to pull us out. He's with us. We can boldly come into our great high priest. John 10, 9, number 13, he's the door. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. What a, what a simple, just a simple, beautiful promise that Christ, he's the door. You know, and he's knocking at the door. He wants to open the door. You know, he wants to walk through the door. You know, he wants to, he wants, it's available for us. We can be saved. You know, it's not because we're a special people. It's not because we deserve it. It's not because we're white. It's not because we live in the U.S. I am the door. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. When we know that, we know that he's the door, and we know that he's the master, and we've promised that we'll go wherever he says. Why wouldn't we be telling everybody where the door is? You know, sometimes we use that example. You know, we tell, you know, if we, you know, we, 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 some, we hear the expression at least, so, you know, will you, why didn't you tell him where the door was so he could leave? You know, we need to tell him where the door is so they can come in. That's what the master's all about. He's the door. <clears throat> Number 14 is he's the living water. He's the living water. John 4.10. You know, the living, the water that brings life to us. The water that brings life to our souls. <clears throat> you know, there's there's many books out there, and I'm not as big a reader as some are. I, You know, I have some friends that read two or three books a week, and it's just been a long time since I've read two or three books. But, and books are good. Uh, some books. But this book, <laughs> you know, this book, did you ever notice on books while we're on that subject is it, the covers are so nice anymore. You know, you go to a bookstore and you look at the covers are just the, the way that the photography and the, 
the the art the, they're just it's just staggering you know to to look at the cover of a book and you just whoa it's but inside it's usually not full of the door and it's usually not full of living water it's just stuff but you know we can always go back to the real word of god that's where the living water comes from the next one is the bread of life you know he's called the bread of life and i'll tell you we find the bread of life here in his in this his book you know it's the bread of life it's the water of life you know it's it's the one that you know he he said there in uh he said there in matthew i think it is he, uh, he talked about the the bread or the water of uh, the water of life. That if you uh, if you drink this water, you don't thirst again, and you know you don't hunger again. That's that's him. Is he your bread? Is he your water? He can be. He sure can be. Number sixteen says he's the rose of Sharon. He goes on there uh, in the lily of the valley that's found in Song of Solomon. He's the rose of Sharon. It's a beautiful rose. It's a beautiful picture that he brings to us. Number 17, he's called the Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. That's similar to another one that we'll find later. The Alpha and Omega. Number 18, he's the true vine. John 15, chapter 1. He is the true vine. That tells you that there's other vines out there. There's no fruit hanging there. You know, there's no real fruit there. <clears throat> I thought of this, uh, I thought of this one time when I was in a, uh, I was in a hydroponic greenhouse and, and, uh, I was looking at all these plants, these, uh, especially their tomatoes. I was watching, or he was explaining to me how these tomatoes are grown in this greenhouse and the, the stalk was, the stalk was way over here about by that wall and just this stalk laid on the ground over here, came over here about 40 feet. And then they had this little end of this tomato plant tied up and there was some fruit hanging up here on the tree and, or up on the end of this stalk. And he said this stalk's going to live for a year and a half and produce tomatoes. And as it grew, they just kept moving this thing to the end, you know, and, you know, and I said to him, what, what do you, what's this tomato drinking? that that it does this and uh you know my tomatoes don't do that they don't last very long at best and you know and he said well we have a lot of stuff you know that we give them you know to make them live this way and you know until i got done with all that i was like i don't think i want to eat any of your tomatoes and you know and it looked very fake and you know and i suppose it was a tomato but i'll tell you it wasn't a real tomato it was full of who knows whatever else, you know, and, and it wasn't a very real vine either, you know, and that's the way I believe that much we see out there in the name of Christianity today that claim that we claim we have something. We talk about somebody. We talk about what he's supposed to look like. We talk about what the fruit he's supposed to produce, but it's not the real vine. It doesn't even stand on its own two feet and it doesn't bring it doesn't bring fruit that hangs on a tree that's worth anything. But he's the true vine. We can trust him. It's the real thing. <clears throat> 19, he's called our Messiah. 
This is also numerous times in the scripture. The scripture I have on this one is Daniel 9.25. There's, uh, there's uh, various of them. But he's called our Messiah. Is he yours? The Messiah. The one that came to save the world. The one that came to bring, to redeem his people Israel. The one that came to, uh, to bring you as a Gentile into his kingdom. Verse number 20. He's called the teacher. John 3, 2, we know that thou art a teacher sent from God. A teacher. That must be that if he's a teacher, we must be a student. So, is he your teacher? You know, as you think of God and you think of the Lord, his son, the Lord Jesus, is he your teacher? Are you his student? I trust you are. This morning, as you think about it, I trust that you are his student. <clears throat> the next one. The Holy One. This was, this was uh, Mark 1.24. This is the account of, of an unclean spirit that Jesus showed up on the scene. And the unclean spirit, a demonic uh, a person there, recognized that he was the Holy One. The spirits recognized him. <clears throat> he was the Holy One. Is he your holy one? You know, the, the Bible talks about how that the demons believe and tremble. You know, do they, do they tremble when we show up? You know, do they, is our relationship with the Lord Jesus, is, he, is it real enough, bright enough, enough of fruit hanging on the tree, the reality of a living Christ living inside of us that he knows who we are? <clears throat> I remember one time, many years ago, I, uh, some of you actually may have been with, with us here, I was with you or something, I was probably with you, you weren't with me. Um, we rode together anyway on a bus to New York, I think there's a few of you that probably would have been along. We rode, went up to a, a load of, a couple bus loads went up New York, this would have been back in probably 94, 95. And uh, Times Square there, or that, that that park, whatever that was called, and uh, <clears throat> there was a big crowd gathered in a circle there. Uh, and there was a man. Uh, There's a man out there in the middle. He was swallowing his fire and doing all kinds of stuff. Anyone remember that? I thought you were maybe along, John. But he he had a stick that had fire burning on it, and he'd put this in his mouth and. Then he'd talk a while, then pretty soon he'd blow this fire out of his mouth again. And he was really doing some really strange stuff. And uh, anyway, we crawled off the bus and just walked over there. And here he was had a big crowd around him. People were watching. And there happened to be a space maybe six feet wide where there was nobody. So a couple of us, I don't remember who all, but a few of us walked over to that spot. And, and we just stood there and just watched the fellow for a minute. And... You know, and all of a sudden he stopped his show. Just right dead in the middle of all that, he just stopped his show and he looked over there towards this group of men. And uh, I was just one of, uh, of a handful there. And he stopped, he looked over at us and he said, you take your Jesus out of here. You know, and just, we didn't say anything. We just stood there. You know, that's what's supposed to happen to us. You know, is that the devils are supposed to realize 
when we come in contact with them, when we see them, when we make our appearance, we shouldn't have to always be opening our mouth in the spirit world. They should know there's Jesus inside of that person. That's what happened to Jesus. And the devil said, the Holy One. They knew that it was there. And if the Holy One is living inside of us, shouldn't something similar happen? I believe so. And it does. In the ways some of you have had experiences where you've walked up to someone, you know, in the hardware store and, you know, and they're using foul language and whatever else and all of a sudden you appear and it just gets quiet. They don't tell you their dirty jokes. They don't use their foul language. Why don't they? Because they know that the Lord Jesus showed up inside of you. You didn't say anything. But His Spirit, the Spirit of the Holy One, is in you. And it's coming out of your life. And it's showing that He's there. He's the Holy One. And He's part of you. It makes a difference in this dark world that we live in. <clears throat> Alright, 22. 1 Timothy 2.5 There's one mediator. He's called our mediator. The mediator between God and man. And it's Christ Jesus. He is the one that mediates between God and man. Is He yours? Or was He yours? Is He today yours? Ephesians 1.6 calls Him the Beloved One. The Beloved. Is He your Beloved? You know, there's many things out there that people love. There are many things out there that, that people set their heart on. and They set their affections on. Colossians says, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is seated, is seated on the right hand of the Father. Set your affections on the Beloved One. Is He your Beloved One? Or is our hearts, are our hearts looking elsewhere? <clears throat> Isaiah 11, 1 calls Him the branch. He's the branch. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon Him. Mark chapter 6 calls Him the carpenter's son. Just a carpenter's son. You know, just a lowly, just a son of a carpenter. John 10 calls him the good shepherd. <clears throat> the good shepherd that cares for his sheep. We spoke about that a bit in the beginning. <clears throat> John 8 verse 12 says he's the light of the world in a dark place. He's the light of the world. You know, in the, the world we live in, as dark as it is, and we see, the, we see the corruption, we see the sin that is out there, sometimes we get disillusioned because it's so dark. But, you know, we don't need to focus on the darkness. When you focus on the darkness, you probably end up walking in it. But when He is our Savior and our Messiah and all these other things, plus our light of the world, Shouldn't we be able to see where to walk? Yes, we should. Because He is the light of the world. He was the light of the world back in John. Uh, and He's the light of the world for us today. The next one is found in Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God. We want to know what God looks like? You know, we can see what the Lord Jesus looked like in the Scripture. 
We can see his character. We can see his nature. We can see all of these things. And he says he is the image of the invisible God. In John 1, he's called the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word. And again, we have, we could think about all the other words that are out there, all the other books, all the other people that are, are speaking and doing all kinds of things, but there's only one, the Word. And that's our Jesus. Ephesians 2.20 says He's the chief cornerstone. The chief cornerstone. <clears throat> you know, He's the one that everything is built off of. He's where the wall starts. He's where we go back to. He's the chief cornerstone. John 4.42 says He's the Savior of the world. We have heard and we know that He indeed is Christ, the Savior of the world. Not just my Savior, but He's the Savior of the world. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Many of these, as you listen to many of these titles, they stir, they'll stir up your missionary heart because, they, because you see clearly that this wasn't just salvation for me. This is salvation for mankind. This is salvation for for everyone out there, regardless of race. All right, he is he is a servant. Matthew twelve eighteen calls him a servant. I don't know what greater servant that we would find than the Lord Jesus. God said about him, Behold my servant whom I have chosen. My servant. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Hebrews chapter 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. You know, it's it's complete. It's not like a book or something that has another volume that's coming. Or something that's extended somewhere. We, We only have half the picture. Now, we don't, we don't even have half the picture of the Lord Jesus. We're, we're not big enough to understand Him all. But, but He's in the beginning. He was before the beginning. Before the foundations of the world, He knew your name. Before the foundations of the world, I am. He's the author of salvation. He's the finisher of salvation. He's the author of our faith. And He's the finisher of our faith. He is the Almighty One in Revelations 1.8. Which is, which was, and is to come. The Almighty One. Isaiah 9 says He's the everlasting Father. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. His name shall be called the everlasting Father. There's more to that that's still coming. The Prince of Peace. Emmanuel. The everlasting Father. <clears throat> Genesis 49 calls him, a bit of an unusual name that we don't call him often, calls him Shiloh, which means unto him the gathering of the people shall be. You know, isn't that true? You know, in the end, and even today, 
there's a gathering of people that are coming to Shiloh, to God. You know, to Him, because He is the Everlasting One. He is the Messiah. He is our Everlasting Father. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah in Revelations 5. The Lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. In John 8, verse 5, it says, Before Abraham was, I am. Numerous occasions in Scripture you'll find where he says, I am. Who is he? I am. It's kind of, in the beginning was God. Some of you that were at the wedding, that was stressed in the devotional there on Saturday. Uh, in the beginning was God. I am. He just, it was God. There was nothing else. It was God. <clears throat> First Timothy 6.15 calls him the king of kings. There's many other kings out there of some sort or another. But he's the king of kings. He's the only real king. Matthew 9 verse 15 says he's the bridegroom. He's the bride. The day is going to come when the bridegroom, it says, shall be taken away. He is the bridegroom. He's the one that we wait on. John 3.16 says he's the only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever this is is very simple you know the probably the well known most well known verse in in the Bible nearly whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life he is the only begotten son he is the wonderful counselor in Isaiah 9 verse 6 the wonderful counselor how often do we hear of Often I think I hear the story, you know, or I hear so-and-so somewhere went off for counseling. They left, they went here for counseling, or they went there for counseling. And, you know, there's, there's, there's some of that is okay. But there's one counselor. There's one real counselor. And I have a hunch that if we would get in touch with the real counselor, that a lot less other counselors would be needed if we would really get in touch with the real counselor. You know, is he your counselor this morning? He is a wonderful counselor. <clears throat> you know, in, in counseling, you know, we all, all of us in the ministry and probably some others too, we do some form of counseling. We, we hear people's hearts. You know, sometimes us counselors don't say very much. Uh, people go to school nowadays to learn how to be a counselor, but there's not many people that go to school just to learn how to listen to people. And a real counselor often just has to listen a lot. You know, the Lord Jesus is very faithful to listen to us. You can just tell Him anything. You can tell Him how selfish you are. You can tell Him, you know, about all your flat spots because He knows all of them already. It's nothing new to him. You know, you can just be honest. Because he is, he's, he's our counselor. He listens to us. And he knows all about us. 
you know, sometimes we only, as when you go to counsel somebody, you go to listen to what they have to say. Sometimes they only tell us half the story. And we really, we still don't know what to say because we really only know half the story. But he knows the whole story. He already knows the whole story. So when we just go to him and we let him be our counselor, he can speak to us. He can speak words of truth into our life. He is our counselor. Emmanuel is another one in Matthew one twenty three. A virgin shall be with child. You'll call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. <clears throat> He's the son of man. Many, there's numerous places there as well. He came to minister to many and to give his life. He's the day spring. Through the tender mercy of God, the day spring has visited us. To give life to them that sit in darkness. Those that were in the shadow of death. To guide our feet in the way of peace. He is our day spring. Luke 1, 78. You know, and if we're born again this morning, we can look back to the time when we, yes, sat in darkness. When we were in darkness. But the day spring came to you. He's the amen in Revelation three fourteen. It's the end of the story. It's yay and amen. It's the way it is. It's settled. He's the amen. He's the king of the Jews in Mark fifteen twenty six. You know, some of those, many of the Jews rejected that. They didn't like that idea. But he is the king of the Jews. <clears throat> Matthew twenty one eleven says he was a prophet. This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth. Job nineteen twenty five. He is the redeemer. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Speaks of assurance of salvation, doesn't it? I know that my Redeemer liveth, Job says. That also should stir our missionary heart, because many people have no clue where they're going. They have no clue what life is all about. They have no clue where they're going into the afterlife. It's all just, there's something out there, and if I'm good, I'm going to maybe go, and if I'm bad, I probably won't. But they really don't know. But the Bible says you can know where we're going. I know that my Redeemer liveth. That you may know that you have eternal life. And when we know those kind of things, it stirs in our heart to go to someone that doesn't know and say, you can know. So I hope that stirs your missionary heart as well. <coughs> he is <clears throat> our Redeemer. Number 50. Hebrews 6.19 says he is our anchor. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. And he is a sure and steadfast anchor. There is nothing else. He's the bright and morning star in Revelation 22. John 14, 6. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. There is no other way. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Isaiah 9, 6 says he's the prince of peace. You know, here we have another where peace doesn't reign if you don't know Jesus. He's the prince of peace. He doesn't just know about peace. He's the prince of peace. It's a little like love. Also says the scripture says God is love. I often say it's not God doesn't just know about love. He doesn't just understand love. He is love. He's the very essence of love. He's everything about love. He doesn't just know about it. He doesn't just know about many of these things. He is these things. 
He's the author and the finisher of these things. He's the beginning and the end. He knows. There's nothing in the middle. John 12, 24. I have two more. He's the corn of wheat. Calls him a corn of the wheat. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground, die, it abideth alone. He did die, fall into the ground. He did die. And he, he is bearing much fruit. He is called the corn of wheat. The last one is in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15. He's called the unspeakable gift. You know, and as you think of your relationship with the Lord Jesus or the lack of your relationship with Him, you know, He either is your unspeakable gift or He isn't. You know, one or the other. He either is that gift or you don't have the gift. But we can have the gift. And when we know the power of His resurrection, and we know the peace and the joy that He brings us, it truly leaves us speechless because we know we are so undeserving. We didn't deserve His gift. We still didn't don't deserve His gift. But God, because of His love for humanity and mankind, He brought this gift of salvation and made it available to us so that we can truly experience the unspeakable gift. The one we can't really comprehend fully. We experience in part. We don't experience it to the fullest degree. But He truly is an unspeakable gift. And I want to praise Him and give Him glory and an honor for being that person that brought salvation to me and, and made that same salvation available to mankind. It's beyond description what He is. We've, we've looked at 55 descriptive words this morning that describe the Lord Jesus, that were used in some form of naming Jesus or God. And we haven't scratched the surface. Of what He really is. That's why we can end and say, He truly is an unspeakable gift. Is He your gift this morning? That's the question. Is He your gift? What is He to you? Is He all of these things to us? Let's uh, bow our heads and pray this morning. Father, I... I do thank you for being faithful to us today. Lord, you are a good God. And all of these descriptive words that go far beyond anything that I can't begin to describe them all. We could spend hours, Father, trying to describe and imagine your greatness and your holiness. But truly, Father, we're going to sum it up and realize and acknowledge that we just simply can't possibly describe it. And it is an unspeakable gift. Father, not that we can't speak about it, but we can't cover any of the bases. And I do thank you for that gift of salvation that you brought us, your Son, the Lord Jesus, that brought life and hope to us and strength for our souls. We commit the the morning to you in Jesus' name. Amen.